Well, I know last week I gave you guys a little bit of a, a heavy homily on uh, the whole good fish, bad fish uh, parable. And I, if you'll indulge me again, I'm going to give you probably another kind of a heavy homily here. And um, again, things, you know, I, my heart is very heavy with what I read in the news lately. Uh, a lot of really bad press about the clergy. It's very, very disheartening. Um, and let me let me first just tie it into the gospel here. I find it very interesting that Peter says to Jesus, he doesn't he doesn't say to him, Lord, permit me to get out of the boat and, and let me walk on the sea and come to you. He says, Command me to walk on the sea and to come to you. Command me. So Peter wasn't looking for a kind of a, you know, permission or freedom. He was reverently accepting the authority, the binding, obligatory authority of Christ. And that's what enabled him to actually do this miracle of walking on the water. You know, I look at the history of the church, and sometimes it's, it's almost a joke, you know, it's been put out there, is that if you liken the church to a boat, it is absolutely amazing that it has stayed afloat for 2,000 years when almost every person in it is trying to make it sink. <laughs> Think about that. You know, if, if you take a boat and you go up on a lake and you try to make that thing sink, well, it's not too difficult. You can make it sink. It's an absolute miracle that the church is still afloat after 2,000 years when the vast majority of it, and, and clergy, probably the most out of every, anybody, has, has done their darndest to try to make the thing sink, and it still stays, stays afloat. Um, you know, so, so what is it that enables this boat to stay afloat? It's the command, the commandments of Jesus Christ. It's the authority of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that makes this boat uh, stay afloat. And the fundamental problem here with clergy, I, I preached about this issue to our friends in Lyons last Friday. Uh, you know, I talked about how the problem here with, see, now what's happening, okay, so there's the priest's sex abuse scandal. Now it's kind of coming to the point where they're looking at bishops. One, one bishop in particular, a very prominent cardinal, uh, American cardinal, Cardinal McCarrick. Um, and it's not just rumors, you know, I'm not into just putting out these accusations and then never investigating and figure, getting to the truth of the matter. I, I think that's terrible. Uh, so it's not just accusations, it's well-substantiated stuff, and the Vatican has asked him to, to step down um, and to actually turn in his cardinal hat, basically, which is like the first cardinal in like a 100 years who's actually, you know, t- stepped out of the office of a cardinal. It's a huge disgrace, huge disgrace. Um, you know, so what's happening now is we're looking at bishops. Okay, this is the issue. We're saying, okay, yeah, wait, so bad stuff going on with priests. Well... Let's let's hold the bishops accountable too, and um, the the fundamental problem I know I spoke about this in Lions here is it's an old boys club, okay, and it's a failure to correct one's peers. You let your friends get away with improprieties. You just wink and you look the other way because you're buddies with them. Tommy knows Johnny, and Johnny knows Billy, and, and we've been friends since we were kids, and we've been to seminary together. And that's what happens. It's an old the with the clergy, it becomes an old boys club, and they just let each other get away 
with murder instead of from the first moment of bad behavior should be called out and questioned. Um, so that was my analysis last week. I, I'm going to go on to other things here. Today what I'm going to talk about is that the failure amongst the clergy, it's a failure to fundamentally recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. It's really simple. It's just we have to go back to the words and the teaching of, of Jesus. So in light of all of these things that are going on with McCarrick, we have uh, some really great words being spoken by Bishop Scharfenberger of Albany. And he's been writing articles and doing interviews and just talking about how you know this is this there needs to be reform at the level of the bishops. In 2002, after the whole fallout from Boston, there was implemented the Dallas Charter, and the Dallas Charter focused on priests. But people are now reflecting, hey, you know, the Dallas Charter <laughs> didn't mention anything about bishops. So that's that's the next phase here. Is we we, we need to be looking at bishops um, and. Uh, you know, for me as, as clergy, I'm, uh, it really, it's a frightful thing. It's a very, very frightful thing. The, the clergy are, giving, are given by God, okay, a lot of power. And boy, can that power be abused. Okay? So it, it's a really kind of a scary place to be in there. You're in this really high place. You know, the higher you are up, the longer your fall is. And, uh, you know, there's a, a saying from St. Alphonsus that really I take to heart, and I pray God I'm able to take it to heart more and more. He says the unchaste priest, the priest who violates chastity, when he goes to offer the Mass, okay, so just let, let this get clear, clear here. Unchastity in the clergy is sacrilege, all right? Your average person, they commit unchastity. It's it's a it's a serious sin, but it's down at the bottom of the ladder in terms of gravity and seriousness of sins. It's it'll send you to hell, okay, but it's still low on the ladder. It's not that serious of a sin compared to murder, okay. Sacrilege, that's at the top, along with blasphemy. When clergy are unchaste. That sin that's right down at the bottom of the ladder goes right to the top. That's how serious it is for clergy to sin against the virtue of chastity. And St. Alphonsus says, when the, the, the unchaste priest, when he offers Mass, and he comes to the words of consecration, and he says, this is my body, it's like he's spitting in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what, what he likens it to. Okay, that's how bad this sin is in clergy. And, uh, you know, I read an article this morning, and it was going over McCarrick and Scharfenberger's comments and words. And Scharfenberger has the idea, you know, his suggestion is there needs to be a group of laity who are formed, who are, you know, good lay people who are formed to actually hold the bishops accountable. Okay. Because there is such a thing. The USCCB put together a commission, a lay-run commission of laity to hold priests accountable. But there needs to be such a thing for bishops as well. The church's structure is not a democracy, but there's nothing contrary to the divine structure of the church that says laity cannot <laughs> hold clergy accountable for sins. Okay, So this is a good uh, development if it were to take place. Um, 
And one of the, the comments in the article it was this, you know, it was talking about a priest who went through seminary, uh, you know, who was talking about the Archbishop McCurk when he was Archbishop of Newark. And he, and he was just talking about how, you know, there was some really disturbing stuff that would take place. Um, and uh, then this particular seminarian, he's a priest now in the Diocese of Albany, he transferred out of Newark because he was so creeped out by the stuff that he was experiencing in seminary with the Diocese of Newark. He transferred, came to Albany. So he's an older guy. This was back in the 80s. All right, so, so this is a while back. He was. He said he was. He was sexually assaulted uh, by the other seminarians, and he he reflected. His reflection, I think, is very appropriate. He says, "When you have moral corruption at that kind of level, the whole body becomes corrupt. All the people down at the lower levels think they've got permission to do whatever they want." Okay, so it really begins with the head, and it works down. That's why it's so important for priests to be holy. Okay, if the priests are not holy, the, the church is in ruins. Um, one of the big things that I think of, I reflect in my own life, is when the preacher has a conscience that is convicting him, he can't preach. He preaches fluffy stuff that doesn't make any difference to anybody. You know, he can't, he can't challenge people, so the tongue of the preacher is bound by a bad conscience. And this is what happens. If you have clergy who themselves are not living according to Christ's commandments, they can't teach those commandments to others. It would be very few and very rare that they would do that kind of hypocrisy. You just can't do it. You can't bring yourself to do it. So essentially, because you lower the bar for yourself, you lower the bar for everybody. And the, the moral fabric of the church as a whole really, really goes to ruins. You know, another reflection I have on this, okay, about the, the corruption of the clergy... Alcohol is tied into this a lot. Okay? Whenever you get into these issues of sex abuse and all this kind of stuff, somehow alcohol is almost always tied into this. Getting someone drunk and seducing them that way. Okay? Alcohol. It's, it just pops up everywhere. How come no one's mentioning this? And uh, when I was in seminary, I think God, my seminary, I heard it had moral problems back in the 80s. It was cleaned up in the 90s, so when I got there, there weren't any, any gross moral problems. But there was a divide, I would have to say, amongst the seminarians when it came to alcohol. There were a number of seminarians who said, ah, it's not a big deal if you overindulge in alcohol. And the other seminarians were, were just simply abiding by the traditional commandment that drunkenness is a mortal sin. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to commit a mortal sin. Okay? Uh, you know, so, so you compromise on one thing, and next thing you know, there's compromise, 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 the whole thing. It all comes back to that fundamental disrespect for commandments, for Christ's commandments, and for his authority. Um, so my brothers and sisters, you know, th- I guess this is the, the negative lesson that we can learn from this. we really got to adhere closely to the authority of the commandments of Christ. It's the only thing that's going to keep the church afloat. And enable us to do the miracle that we've been doing for the past 2,000 years. Walking on water. It's the only thing. It's Christ's commandments. Uh, and please pray for uh, priests and bishops. And please pray for me. The worst thing for me to be to do would be to get up here and preach and then not live up to it myself. And I realize it's only by God's grace that I can live a life that's in conformity to what he's asking of me. Totally by God's grace. This is not my own strength. 
It's not my own righteousness. It's by God's grace. So please, I'm really serious. This is not like a, oh, pray for me kind of thing. I am really serious. I need your prayers, as do all priests, as do everybody. So let's pray for each other, and let's ask God to purify the church and to make it a a holy bride that's acceptable to, to him, so that when Christ comes again, he'll find this beautiful, radiant uh, church.